All right, so give to Caesar what is Caesar's and God, give to God what is God's. Maybe you've heard a sermon that flows from that that's more or less like, well, yeah, so why don't you put some more Benjamins in the offering? That's not the sermon that we have to preach. That's not the good news. But let's notice what Jesus is doing with this phrase. Give to Caesar what is Caesar and God's what is God's. Jesus is putting Caesar in his place. Caesar and every president and political party and head of household. Here we heard it. Whose image is on the coin? $100 bill is Benjamin Franklin. And whose image is on Benjamin Franklin? All of it is borrowed. It's all borrowed. From every Lincoln penny to every Benjamin Franklin $100 bill, all of it is borrowed. And what's more, we ourselves are borrowed. Our ultimate loyalty and obedience is truly God's. Because God created us out of nothing, redeemed us from all evil, and in love walks with us every, this, every step of the way. So give to God what is God's. And ultimately that means me, you, us together. And part of the point here is that we are already gods. No matter how many Benjamins we've got in our pockets or how much we give away, Jesus already put Caesar in Caesar's place. Every power and principality, even death itself, Jesus put in its place through his life and death and resurrection. And so now there's nothing that stands between us and belonging fully and totally to God. So you'll notice something else about this phrase, give to Caesar what is Caesar and God's to what is God's. There's room for both, paying taxes and not paying taxes. It's not an either or, to both and. Either way, your worth to God has nothing to do with any of that. So I do think that it invites us to consider who wants to own us. Who wants to own you? Who demands a piece of you? Who's trying to squeeze out every last cent? And to weigh that alongside some deeper questions of who invites you to invest in the mission of the one who set you free? And who is it who went to the grave to win you back and then gave you back to yourself. And the difference that Jesus is lifting up to us is the difference between true love, true love of who you truly are, versus a complete indifference and a simple greed about what can be 
extracted from you. We were talking in Bible study the other day after having read this very passage about how hard it is to recognize insincerity and hypocrisy even when it's right in front of us. That we can listen to what people say and to how people say it. We can see what they look like and the image that they project. And still those appearances can be deceiving. We can be vulnerable to those who say what we want to believe. And the good news here is that Jesus sees clearly the difference between Caesar and God. Jesus protects his followers. It's not about the taxes, Jesus said. What uh, we have to know by this point in the Gospel of Matthew is that Jesus is well known as a friend of tax collectors. We also know that um, there are members of Jesus' own inner circles who call themselves zealots. That means they were Jewish nationalists. Some of, some of them wouldn't touch a denarius, let alone pay the Roman tax. And here you have opposite ends of this spectrum, tax collectors and tax refusers, all in the same coalition the same movement of God. Jesus seems to insist that they belong together. That, in a way, this is a non-answer. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and God's what is God's. And instead, what it does is redirects us to what really matters. It holds this whole group of diverse people together in a mission of healing and love. It's about restoring community, relationship, autonomy. They picked on this tax issue because it was a wedge issue, a way to divide and conquer. Jesus saw it coming. Jesus protects their unity and diversity just as well as ours. There's power in being together in Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit. And there is no way that we can give to God what is God's when we are alone and isolated. When we are alone and isolated, we can't give to God what is God's. You belong to God and we belong together And in this community of Christ, God gives us back to ourselves. And so, only then are we free to give to God what is God's. Because we belong. We belong to God. And what a stark contrast this, the body of Christ, is to segregated television. Did you know that the hundred channels, that there's an intentional strategy to separate different kinds of people out into particular 
channels, some the sci-fi channel, some the discovery channel, some the history channel, so that marketers can sell just the right kind of advertising to the people who are a certain kind. Or how about uh, segregated neighborhoods? These are neighborhoods that are sorted by race and class, whether because of stereotypes or because of community and national policies. We even have segregated toys, blue ones for the boys and pink ones for the girls. And we know something about segregated generations. The old held apart from the young. It's hard not to see in these moments, right before November and the elections, to compare all of this to our polarized politics. Those wedge issues that may divide us and that may distract us from the things that we really care about that really lead to the health and thriving of ourselves and our communities. The question in the face of all these things that divide us is who benefits? Who benefits when we're divided from one another? Who benefits when we're alone and isolated? Who benefits from those wedges that divide us, that distract us, that disempower us? Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, and we heard that today. Paul also wrote to the Galatians and said that in Christ there is no male or female, no Jew or Greek, but that together in Christ we are a new creation, that together in Christ we share. We share the transforming power of the Holy Spirit through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we enact that together. You ever notice that the giving of the offering flows directly into the receiving of communion? Now this is not a pay-to-play kind of a thing. This is not the tax we have to pay in order to receive the services of God. Because here we all eat with no distinctions. And here we are in the offering, giving away the things that have a limited ability to provide for our lives and our livelihoods. Money only goes so far in giving us life. And so that then when our hands are free, We're free to receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, the the living bread, the taste of the feast that is to come. So I do have to wonder, these times of confession that we share, who is it who wants to own me? And how am I giving myself away to anyone and anything else but God. Maybe that's maybe that is who I pay taxes to or who I pay my rent or my mortgage to. 
Maybe it's whoever I pay deference to. Maybe it's simply whoever it is that I'm paying attention to. The antidote to paying and putting ourselves, our time, and our efforts, our money in the wrong places that do no good for ourselves and our world is the truth that you belong to God and we belong together. That is the antidote. It's not the idea, but it's the behaviors, the actions, the activities, the practices of faith that allow us to hold on to God even while we hold on to each other. It's these practices and behaviors that we've been working on through things like unifying our worship, our good soil groups, our respectful communication guidelines, this kaleidoscope Bible study that Wanda's been talking about, even our Listen Strong ministries. It's about the heart of faith that all of us are in danger of forgetting. It's that we belong to God we belong together. And there are activities that allow us to hold on to God and hold on to each other. Just recently I was reading a book called Holding Your Family Together. It shares what the author calls the Faith Five. Five simple practices for the end of the day. First, to share Highs and lows of the day. What went well, what went poorly. Favorite part of the day, my least favorite part of the day. To share that in families. Or calling a friend or a family member who may not be in the home. Then to read together a Bible verse or a whole Bible story. And then to talk with one another about how that passage or verse, that story may connect or speak at all to those highs and lows that we name. And then to pray for one another, highs and lows. And finally, to bless. To bless with a physical touch and with words, to trace the sign of the cross on each other's foreheads. The author of this book says this is how we hold on to each other. It's how we hold our families and our relationships together, how we hold on to God. And this is what he says about it. Imagine, he writes, raising a daughter who wouldn't think of going to bed without talking to you about her highs and lows every night, even though she's 16 years old. Imagine raising a son who won't turn out the lights without asking you about your day and praying for your highs and lows, and blessing you. Imagine growing up in a home where everyone feels loved, valued, heard, every night, a family that seeks God's wisdom, will, and word at the center of their lives. Imagine an intimate community where every night is an experience of caring, sharing, comfort, and peace, That does not describe what for me going to bed was like every night when I was a child. 
Maybe it does for you. But as I read this, I imagined, imagined finding healing for the oldest wounds in our lives and the people who are closest to us. Imagine that. He goes on to say, does this sound like an impossible dream? It isn't. Does it sound like an improbable dream? Maybe. One thing is sure, he says, this dream is not going to magically materialize without intention, commitment, a workable plan on your part to make it happen. Having a close and caring family is a beautiful dream, but a dream without a plan isn't worth a nickel. However, a dream with a workable plan may be worth a million bucks. So maybe these Faith Five doesn't capture your imagination in the way it captures mine. That's okay. Just like the question of taxes or no taxes, it's not about whether we do the Faith Five as he's written about them or not. But it is about finding the way, the practices, the activities and behaviors in our lives and in our homes that will help us to hold on to God and hold on to each other. In the end, what we do here in worship, the suggestions or programs or Bible studies that anyone here may suggest, they only go so far unless we do them together. But we do, we do them not believing that we are earning our way into God's love, but believing that we are fully loved already. You belong to God. We belong together. Thanks be to God.